you got your bungs in. What was that? Because my feet are getting fucking wet. Sounds like a future nuggets problem. Welcome aboard uh, another episode of One More Throw. I'm the Colonel. Across from me is Nugget. How you going, mate? Yeah, pretty good, bud. This week we've uh, got a very special guest on. Do you want to uh, introduce him along to everyone, Nugget? Yeah, mate. Uh, so we've got a BT, and people that don't know BT, BT is the only reason we can get out here and do what we do, <laughs> <laughs> basically. So how you going, mate? Mate, I am fantastic. So, oh, look at that for a cast. Very nice. Um, you going to talk about your first one? <laughs> well, straight in the trees, but not the tree by the waterline. It's about 14 foot in the air, I reckon. <laughs> There's a tree behind the tree. <laughs> got oh, nice, shit. Though. Mate, this is fantastic. Bit, bit different weather to what you're used to, eh? Yeah, we, actually, <laughs> straight. Let's get straight into it. We, um, I've been planning this holiday for a while. We've got some friends up on the Tweed. Oh, there That's we go. All right. Some friends up on the Tweed who are taking off for um, an overseas trip. So we thought we'd come up and house sit their place for a couple of weeks. That type of thing gets me through winter because I struggle with um, the length of grey and cold that we get down in Mexico. We live just on the outskirts of Melbourne, and. Um, <laughs> And like the last three years, we haven't had a spring. We just had eight months of winter. So looking forward to getting away this year. And then lo and behold, we t- the day we take off, the forecast at home is 25, sunny, 26, it's the worst. sunny. <laughs> it's always the worst. <laughs> For an entire week, like we normally get a couple of days of nice weather and then the shit comes back in. But um, yeah, unreal. But nah, it's beautiful up here, man. I love this part of the country. Uh, so we had a couple of days at the mid 30s this week. Yeah. Beautiful days. Awesome. Spring's definitely here. Yeah. So this will be a bit different to what you're used to anyway, doing an old interview. Well, normally on the, um, you know, behind the microphones there, mate, pushing the buttons and <laughs> rather than being the one in front of the microphone, you, you know, started my career in radio in front of the microphone, but quickly realised that um, I got more enjoyment out of being behind it and, yeah. you know. How old were you when you got into that? I started doing like community radio. Oh, another good cast. Hopefully you get one, mate. Yeah, it's a good spot. Started doing community radio stuff when I was about 15 years old. Like I always just loved listening to the radio as a kid. My dad's old transistor radio that he had from the army. I'd chuck under the pillow at night time, middle of the night, be awake, listening to the, you know, the announcers, the music. Always fascinated by it. Did year 10 work experience at a radio station from Shepparton, sort of country Victoria. You bugger. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so year 10 and then did work experience and then went and um, did community radio, which is kind of where you start. Did that for two or three years. Oh, very good. And then still in high school, about 17, and got my first job, sort of at commercial radio, getting paid to do what I love. And that was behind the mic? Was that behind Yeah, it, it started off being pushing buttons on, um, we get the footy broadcast out of Melbourne every weekend from, I think it was like 3AW radio station. Um, and so I'd have to sit there and play the advertisements locally when Melbourne would go to advertisements. Yeah. You know, read out the local footy scores when they'd have a break at halftime and stuff. Um, read out the weather. So yeah, it was like a real 
bit of enjoyment just kind of opening up the mic and just saying the weather. Did that for a couple of years and then opportunity come up to become like a nighttime announcer. No, oh, okay. Doing a six to midnight shift, the hot ten, the countdown every night. And so, talking about that, so is that, how, how, how did you work out that wasn't for you, just, just didn't? Yeah, it, it was about the time when, um, you know, Big Brother started, those reality shows kind of started. And what I realised was that, because I was in country radio and, you know, the goal is always to get to your metro type of stuff, your Melbournes, your Sydneys, the, the big sort of cities. I just kind of realised one day that to get anywhere as an announcer, you needed to be like an um, ex-Big Brother contestant or an ex-footy player or something like that. Yeah. And I, I was never a great announcer. I could tell the time, I could tell the temperature. We call those jocks time and temp jocks, you little bugger. Now give it a good flick. There, there we go. go. That's it. So yeah, you could tell the time and temp, no problems. That song was coming up after the break is this song and you know, but you don't get anywhere talking just doing that. So um, I started playing with the production. I love the little bits between the songs. Yep. And that fascinated me. Those little, what we call sweepers and promos and it's the yep. imaging. So that, what that means is the promotional material for the station that plays between the songs and tells you what station you're listening to. And I just loved. So you love, you love the jingles? Jingles and that sort yeah. of stuff. And just the process of putting them together and you know, the creative outlet that you could have with that. And just, I'd get off air at midnight, duck down to the production studio and spend two or three hours teaching myself how to make things. Yeah. yeah. And I found I was getting more of a kick out of hearing that stuff on air. I got a second hand there that got in the way then. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got more of a kick out of hearing that stuff on air as opposed to listening back to myself talking on the radio and and sure enough I spent, you know, I'd spent about five or six years doing the announcing thing, got nowhere with it, started in production and then within about a year of doing production I was into a metro station working yeah. in that. Well, it's like everything, eh? They can't, you know, you can't have the show without production. 100%, man. You know? like, 100%. Like, yeah, that's more important than the actual... Um, announcer, in my opinion. It is, and like, you know, it's the nature of us audio guys. We, um, we're we kind of real behind the scenes working these little dark boxes, producing sounds that then go out on air that millions of people hear but don't necessarily understand where it comes from. Yeah, that's it. And, and it supports the team. So, yes, you've got your talent who are incredible at what they do, your, you know, talent on air, the face of shows, but then you've got these guys behind the shows who do all the bits that kind of support them and help make them sound great. Yeah, like us. Yeah, like, like you guys. I <laughs> uh, bet you get our email, all the edits, oh and you're just oh, like, shit. yeah. Look at this. <laughs> at least they've told me what ones to start cutting first before like, I have to, to start working. Fire at the coffee machine, babe, I'll be here a while. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then, sort of, you know, radio in moving into the podcasting land is kind of like a natural evolution. Like, you know, once upon a time, radio was kind of all that there was. But now, with the podcasting space, there's just so many opportunities for niche interests and content to that's, be put together. That's exactly it. You know, I mean, look you, what you guys are doing. Because you was telling you. You were talking about with me there the other day about how you know the listening audience it's still the same size. Yeah. It's just yeah. radio doesn't dominate it anymore. 
Correct. So, you know, that's what I've been saying lately and, and I think I was telling you on the phone that I, I sort of stretched my hands out nice and wide and go, the audience was this big and once upon a time only radio took that entire audience. And there yeah. might have been a handful of radio stations that had to break that up between them, but but now it's that same the audience is the same size, but there's just so much more for yeah. people to consume. And just when they want to consume it, you know, Netflix, Stan, yeah. all that sort of stuff. TV's changed. Yeah, it's funny. I was only, I was literally only saying that about, t- about TV the other day to my stepdaughter, trying to explain to her that when I was her age, we only had like three channels to choose yeah. from, and yeah. four, like four channels on the TV. And yeah. She's like, that what? Our parents gave us. What do you mean? And we said we didn't have Netflix. <laughs> we didn't have all this, you know, all the um, the streaming services. I was None say, of that was around. Digital TV wasn't even around. Yeah. It was just. Yeah. If you wanted to watch kids shows, there was one channel that had kids shows and that's what you watched. I was going to say we had Prime, or one Prime, not... Not four, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not channel, four versions. Channel 10. Only one Prime Possum. Yep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> or the big bear, remember the bear went to bed or something? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. kids, uh, yeah. the bear's going to bed. The bear's going to yeah. bed, so it's time to get to bed. Get to bed. And then there was, um, so there was Prime, 10, NBN, that's, yeah. that's gone down Which there. Which is win, yeah. Weird, well, it's um, Channel 9 up here, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is it's all owned by the same company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ABC, one ABC, and then... Yeah, it's just like times ABC's change. SBS, isn't it? Is uh, no, SBS is different. Yeah, so, okay, well, you had SBS that no one watched. <laughs> yeah, until you actually woke up and realised what they were airing at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, until like, you're a teenage boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and then you're like, oh, yeah, because that was a forbidden channel. Yeah, yeah correct, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then, um, yeah, I used to enjoy it, you know, getting up early in the morning because I had to for school and before, like, the kids' show start, they used to do those uh, women in the, like, doing their stretches, warm-up. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, quite often. I used to catch my dad watching that at six o'clock in the morning. Oh, I'm just waiting for the. Um, what just was waiting it? for the news to start, boys. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the news. Sure, sure, like dad. Those, um, early mornings, like with the Dragon Ball Z, and that, uh, you know, that was my um, religion yeah. before going to primary school. Dragon yeah. Ball Z before school, though. Yeah. Actually, we, um, yeah, I married a girl from Melbourne, and uh, Shaz, good old Shaz. Shazza. Shazza. Morning, bud. She's going to be off you when she listens. To it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, we'll, we'll be watching TV nowadays, and you know, she'll refer to something a show that she used to watch when she was growing up. And I had no because we had one channel where we were. We had one channel and the ABC. Yep. And that was it. And so she refers to the. No, I've never seen that. What are you talking about? Come yeah. on, babe. I grew up in Chepin. <laughs> well, what, actually, what I was going to say this morning, you talk about you know editing your podcast. Oh, I'll do your deal. Go. You get me on a bass this morning, you get this week for nothing. <laughs> you don't get me on a bass, I'm going to charge you double. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you can lead the horse to water. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can make a drink. <laughs> you can put all the tools in the hand. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly out at the moment. Oh, don't come back, come on. So am I doing it right? Like, am I... Yeah. Oh, a little bit closer. Put your finger around that, um, the reel, though. See... I'll show you how to hold it. Yeah. Is this yeah. where you're going to stand behind me and sort no, of no. hold me like, uh, you know... <laughs> Titanic. <laughs> Titanic. Why didn't like that? Because that thing will lock it if you grab it. So... No, uh, no other hand. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, uh, yep. okay. Yep, yep, yep. Gotcha. All right. Fit, fits a bit more comfortable. Yep. 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 Uh, see? Never touched him. 
<laughs> I had these visions of you wrapping your arms around me from the back and holding my hand and teach me to throw down. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to happen. My belly's too big. So, uh, you're pretty safe. But, uh, yeah, I actually uh, spotted you yesterday. I was like, who's this fucking Victorian? <laughs> hand out the window, cruising down the highway. Of all places. Of all places in the Gold Coast, dealing with roadworks. Yeah. Like there's Victorian oh. slowing down in front of me. Mate, I thought we had traffic bad down home, like the M80, the Ring Road. Um, it's it's shit house at the best of times down there. But, um, oh, yeah, nice. That M1 going up through Chugan there is pretty... My God, we just ducked up in the bridge. a bit of a nightmare at the moment. Once it's all done, it'll be... It'll be amazing. It'll be so on, good. They've been it'll working be... on that since we were in fucking school. Years. 20 years. Yeah. We just we just ducked up in the Brizzy, took the girls up there. We've got two daughters, 15 and 12, and sort of took them up to Brizzy just to show them. And we're coming home. I knew we were going to be coming home sort of back 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Friday afternoon, middle of the school holidays. And I said to Sharon, it's not going to be pretty, I'm sure. And then sure enough, we looked at the maps and it had live traffic on the maps and it was just red for about 80 kilometres. Well, this is crazy. Anyway, getting along down near, before Helen's Vale. It was after... Oh. Near, near Yatla, I think. Yeah, no, of... I rang you at Yatla, you were at Coomera X. We were like a kilometre ahead of you. Yeah, a kilometre and a half, yeah. yeah. I was looking at the sign. So Nuggets called me just to, you know, set things up for this morning. Hey, meet us at this boat ramp, blah, blah. And, oh, where are you, mate? And, oh, yeah, just come out of Yatla. And we just passed the signs for Yatla. <laughs> no way. I just got out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're cruising along and then... I thought I'll slow up a little bit and let him catch up. And my, my oh, oldest, sure, sure. <laughs> my oldest daughter, she she's like always picking out the fastest lane, you know, backseat driver. Dad, why aren't you the right? Why aren't you overtaking them, dude? Calm down. It's like we want Nugget to catch up. And yeah, sure enough, we see him in the rearview mirror and, and get the hands out the window so he knows who we are. Oh, I see the Victorian number plate, so I was yeah, like, oh, I better away. move away. <laughs> That's why I sort of went <laughs> changed on. lanes. Come on. <laughs> Just got to say, there's a pretty Kenworth coming up behind yeah. me. Yeah. Got to look at this truck. <laughs> I've never seen traffic like it, man, and and I just thought maybe it's Friday afternoon. You said that's, that's kind of like a, every day. That's daily. That's daily. Why every would you day. Do it? Like even on even on a Sunday. Last Friday like, was worse because it was Queensland went on school holidays. Yeah. Hats off to you guys for being in that as your job. Like seriously, I lucky enough to be able to work from home in what I do. And you know we've been working from the table in the outside area at our friend's house here this week. Um, so I can take it kind of anywhere to be stuck in that as a job. No and thanks. especially like, you know, a lot of the blokes too um, that work in that industry, a lot of people that are, um, you know, owner drivers and own their own trucks and stuff like that. You're sitting in that traffic, that's money down the drain. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? They've, yep. they've quoted a job, it's going to take this long, yep. this much, and then you're... You know, six-hour drives turn into a nine-hour yep. drive. You're burning diesel time. Yep. And you know, a lot of, especially those owner-operators, it, it it really hurts them. It's like us as well. We get paid by the kilometre. Well, then I was going to say, and then and a lot of drivers that work for companies too are on a kilometre oh, rate. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, so not, a lot of drivers. That's why I wasn't yeah, waiting of, for you. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of drivers. Yeah, you're on fifty odd cents, fifty odd cents an hour, um, a kilometre. 
So ah. if you're not doing 100k an hour yeah. and you're just potting along, that's yeah. your, your wage is going down too. So. Right, because when Nugget caught up to us and he sort of pulled up alongside, waved out the window, g'day, how are you, mate? And then, oh, he's gone off. I'm like, <laughs> shit, I've got to put the foot down now and catch up to him. I thought, oh, he might just kind of hang out and we'll cruise along yeah. together. No, he was gone, man. I that's, thought. And that's it, yeah. So I wasn't speeding. We'll just put that No, 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 there. you weren't speeding. I mean, you can't speed on that road, but, you know. In comparison, oh, I walked to, away from you. You did, mate. You, you <laughs> hooked in, and because we, we'd seen a couple of trucks on the way up that were, you know, like Don Watson, and there was a really nice champagne-coloured Mac. Yeah, and, I and think so that... I said to Nugget when we were first talking, I said, "Oh, we're, we're near these trucks, and when we're working out how far apart from each other we were." Got home, we start watching the footy and get a text like, yeah, rounded up those two. and <laughs> <laughs> Bag them up, round Bag Ballina, them up. They're gone. <laughs> no, I got them before Ballina. Right? I think I got them at um, uh, Byron Bay. <laughs> at the, at the, at and they the were tunnel. Hoofing. They were hoofing too. Yeah. So. yeah, it didn't take me long. Nah. Uh, Friday, all, all the fuel economy and rules go out the window. You live in those, don't you? That's your home. That's your it home is. away from home. It is. It is. Hats off to you. Pretty fortunate, yeah. Do you enjoy it? Like, you still enjoy doing that? Do you love getting behind the wheel and just kind of hitting the road for a couple of days or...? Uh, yeah, so it, it's a bit of a... Um, it's a lifestyle. Like, it, yeah. It's not for everyone. Yeah. We... It is... It's a very selfish one. Like, the missus doesn't... Like, I'd love to be home as well, but then I think I'd get home now after doing it, I'd miss it. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just somewhere different every day. Like, like it's been a big week and it started off pretty long days and um, the where it was, I think it was oh, one of the nights there, I uh, woke up at Yelgan and I was that tired, like, I didn't know where I was, what oh, I had really? on. Yeah. I was just like, had that, that 10 taste. seconds of, oh, shit, what yeah. am I doing this morning? Yeah. And then I realised, oh, yeah, I got this on. Yeah. I'm, I've still got to go through peak time traffic. Yeah. So no, it certainly certainly is a lifestyle. And you're similar too, Colonel. Like with what you do, mate. I mean, I've, well, you know, I, through the podcast, I'm, I know you haul mud. But. I'm what we yeah. I'm, so I'm what we call a mud carter. <laughs> okay. So I I mainly drive. Um, I, I work in a quarry, so oh, yeah. I drive between driving trucks, um, truck and dogs mainly. Yeah. Um, you know, heavy machine operations, excavators, yep. loaders, that sort of stuff. All the big toys. Um, yeah, produ- you know, producing material for customers, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I'm pretty lucky in the sense that I get to be home every night. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's long days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like you are, you're on the road um, constantly. Like even just yesterday alone was a 13-hour shift. Yeah, that's you know, huge. And I'm still still home. Did but they, do, do they the rules apply to you like they do to Nugget with yep. in terms of how many hours you can be yep. behind the wheel in any given 24-hour period? That, yeah, so I... If you go over 100 k Because, yeah, so what happens is um, they work off a 100-kilometre radius from where your truck is based. Yep. So if you're working anywhere within that 100 kilometres, you don't actually have to fill out your book, ah, um, your logbook. Okay. yeah. But as soon as you go 101 kilometres from your base, you're required to use a book. Yep. I spent a lot of years, my teenage years, um, my stepdad was a transport driver out of Shepparton for um, Phillips Transport. And so I spent a lot of my teenage years in the, um, when you're allowed to do this, in the passenger seat of that. You know, and up and down to Melbourne, Shepparton to Melbourne, just over and over. And I loved it. 
Yeah. Love being in it. And, and that's it, like, especially where we are too, like, a nugget, you know, he takes you how many hours to get up to Brizzy from your base? A couple of hours? Oh, it depends where you're going. Yatlas, three hours if I go up a bit further. You know, it could be another hour but, on you top know, of that's, it. You know, that's a day, day's work, you know. Yeah. Go to Brizzy and back. The old... Um, truck that he used to, my stepdad used to have was, it must have been one of the company's original Kenworth, it was an old cab over Kenworth and ended up in the Yellow Springs Hall of Fame. Nice. Oh, what company was that for? Yeah, for Phillips. So they're blue and black um, trucks and yep. like this, I remember you know, millions of kilometres on this thing when we had it, it was one of the slower trucks on the road so whenever we used to get to round up somebody I was always excited because we're passing another truck, you know because that normally wasn't us. and um, But, yeah, it's got taken out of Ellis Springs and it's now in back in Shepparton and there's a, um, a transport museum there now. There is. And so his truck, so they've moved it to Shepparton. Um, it's been sent to there. Mate, you should be getting one along here. <laughs> nice little... Am I still not quite getting in close enough? Oh, I usually put it right on the bank if I don't hit a tree. <laughs> How'd that bass in the oven come up the other night that you didn't, oh. you, you filmed and put up on um, It was beautiful. On the socials. It was beautiful. Come up right. It, um, yeah, it was nice and simple. I, um, yeah, put a video up. Oh, yesterday we put one up. Yeah, saw that last nice night. And, nice and simple, like, you know, like we said in a previous episode, I used to be a chef. Yeah. Before I was doing all what I'm doing now, and that's a big change, like chefing to driving. Yeah, well, that's it. I, I um, I loved being a chef and all that sort of stuff. It was just I couldn't be in the four wall, like yeah. four walls. They yeah. were just, yeah. you know, it just got to me after, you know, after eight years. Yeah, it just got to me a bit, and I, I just sort of wanted a bit of a change and something to do outside. And I was actually living with a guy who um. He used to work, he used to live in Sydney and after the Sydney Olympics finished, he um, was working out at the Olympic Park there. They kept all the tennis courts yep, yep. from the Sydney 2000 Olympics yeah. and all that sort of stuff out there at Olympic Park yeah. and he used to look after all the gardens and the tennis courts and the clay courts and stuff like that out there and he sort of got me interested in um, horticulture. So I went and did my Cert 3 in horticulture and... Um, yeah, got a job landscaping from that. And then through my landscaping job, it just got to a point in time where the company I work for, they sort of said, oh, we need a truck driver. You know, oh, yeah. Is anyone interested? Yeah. And me being the fat fat bastard I am, I said, well, I don't want to be pushing wheelbarrows all day, every day. I said, I'll go get my truck licence. Yeah. So I went and, got a, went and got a medium rigid licence and then it just went from there. Yeah, look, I said, I'm, I'm very lucky in the sense I get to stay home. Well, I'm at home end of a night, but my, my partner works nights, so it's sort of... I'll happily start work at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I've just got to be home by 6 at night so she can go to work. Yeah. You know, and that just, that's what works for us and our family. And Well, I was going to say hats off to your partners too. I mean, you know, work all week the way that you do and away and then out here every Saturday morning capturing this. I mean, you know, going back to the podcasting thing, a lot of people just think, yep, I can do a podcast, I'll just buy it, because the equipment is so readily available and the, and the equipment quality is incredible for the dollar price, you know, yeah. for, for the 
for the, um, compared to what it used to be and the money that you'd have to put in to capture amazing audio. But so everyone thinks, yeah, I can just go down the shop, buy this gear, start talking. I've got a podcast type of thing. But it takes commitment, like the energy. That's it. Commitment. Every Saturday you guys are out here, but it's not just you guys. It is the, the wives at home allowing you to do this and not get shitty. Well, I don't know. They might get shitty. But <laughs> oh, they, you know. Like, we, like we've said on previous episodes, like we're both, you know, they'll both really get big heads after we say it. But no, we are, like we are very lucky um, in the sense, you know, like I've got... An almost two-year-old. Yeah. We, we learnt that last week. I won't say 21 months. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, I've got an yeah. almost two-year-old and, and Nuggets, you know, his daughter's just over 12 months old. So, so oh, no, daughter no, for you. We've got, got, got young families yeah. Um, yeah. and stuff like that. And, like, you know, the girls, they just... Even behind the scenes, like, you know, they're... Um, uh, they're the ones, with the you know... up videos and stuff and posting oh, they, and stuff like that. Yeah, they put all that sort of stuff and... Help us out there. We try and do what we can, but we're not very technology savvy ourselves. So yeah. I just stay away from it. They help us out as much as we can, but um, no, we are we are certainly very very fucking lucky. That's for sure. And like, but letting you know, showing the appreciation, and particularly letting your kids see that you show the appreciation as they grow up as well. Because um, you know, we've got daughters, so fifteen and twelve. So being there with the young ones, but. Something I learned years ago, and is you know, as, as those daughters grow up, and you want them to be kind of looked after later in life, and you know, because it's bloody scary, man. Like, my biggest concern is what other girls going to end up with. Yeah. In terms of partners and that sort of stuff. That's it. But if you're there, sort of showing your wives the respect and the love, the kids are going to grow up seeing that and expect that that's normal. And yeah, that's exactly it. And you can only lead, you know, you can only literally lead by example. Correct. So Nugget's taken my rod here because I'm not getting anything. And at You're this right. stage, no, I think what he's worried about, he's going to get charged double for this week's editing. So he's just <laughs> taking the rod to try and get me on something. <laughs> no, he's, um, it's a good little pocket there under those it, it trees. It is, is it? That's a good spot. That's, that's sort of, that's sort of the, the territory they sort of like, that nice and sort of shady. And in with that little inlet as well. Yeah, that's, you know, it's protected. Yep. Bass uh, and that are very uh, ambush fish sort of yeah, thing, so they'll yep. hide in the and shadows just, and overcast and, and trees and just, Yeah, they'll hide in the shade and then they just go, yeah. So th they are aggressive in terms of they'll just have a crack. They don't kind of suss things out, think about it. They'll just go bang. Yeah, they they just, they if something. they want it, they'll just swallow it. Yeah, yeah. There, there mustn't be any around here. They, they uh... Yes and no, they they can be off it. Like if the barometers changes and drops, like yep. they will shut down. Oh yeah. Um, they've sort of got to be in the mood for it. So that they're feeding like the early morning, late afternoon. Come when the sun comes up, and there's not much shade. They'll go deep on snags and that. Yeah. That's where we use our sounders and live scopes, and we sort of find those timbers yeah. underneath and yep. drop a squidgy down to them. And yep. You could just be dangling a squidgy in front of them for like you know five minutes before they'll smack it because. Yep. You just sit there and you're in their territory, and they might not be red like. They might not be too keen, and then all of a sudden they'll just go, nah, get away from here, bang. Yeah. yeah, it's just more you pissed them off. <laughs> so they, yeah, they have a swipe, and that's when you can get so, them. 
What, with those reeds there that we're passing on the bank now, is that less likely a place for them to be and it's more just hanging under these trees? No, because they'll sit down there and they get everything that comes out of the So, yeah, what they the do is they, um, they'll wait for, like, insects and stuff like that yep. to uh, fall out of the trees or ah, little, okay. little baby birds that might happen to fall out of the tree, yeah. out of its nest or and something. And they just nail them. <coughs> yeah. Nice. Wow. So, especially Christmas time when we get the beetles and that. Yeah, below these gum trees and that, you'll you'll get a lot of just bass just in, in there waiting for the beetle to fall out of a tree. Yeah, so uh, how, how did you uh, find yourself getting into the podcast? Like with with work, so my work full time job, the thing that puts the roof over the head is um, working with the Triple M Radio Network. Yep. Yeah, you know, we do a lot of podcasting in that kind of space and. I've, I've always kind of done little bits with podcasting on the side ever since the early 2000s, before it was much of a thing. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things that you, you talk to people, they need, they want to, oh, that was a good cast it right was. on the bank. <laughs> but you got, oh, no, she's no, right. she's come over. That's right. And, um, yeah, you just talk to people and, hey, we need, we want to put a podcast together. We want to get some audio out there and have it as a part of our you know, overall sort of strategy and you just start talking about it, giving them a bit of advice, what equipment to get and that sort of stuff and then all of a sudden you, you're helping them out with the editing and then it becomes a regular thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man, I just, I love audio. Like, I, I love capturing stories and information and um, turning that into something that can be broadcast and people learn from, get inspired by, get entertained by, you know, that's, um, you creating content that just sits there forever in a day and you know in 10 years 20 years time someone could come across that stuff and pick up some information learn something from it so yeah, it's pretty cool because you are uh, you're actually involved with a few big podcasts there's <laughs> a, it's a couple now and like yeah so the last sort of year or so um there's been a, a couple of really good ones come along that we're involved with um <laughs> a couple of boys out of Gladstone. <laughs> yeah, very popular. Yeah, you might have wearing, heard of them. I'm wearing their shirt the, right the, now. The fishing shirt right now. Yeah, look, that was um, sort of what started this round. Because I've kind of come in and out of it, I guess, and now I'm back into it again. Yeah. And with the Alphas, so bloke who was my boss and ended up leaving the company at, um, at the radio network, he started managing the Alphas. And he's coming and go, mate, have a listen to their podcast for me and just let me know what you think in terms of, uh, you know, audio quality-wise sort of thing. And um, i just come back with a couple of suggestions on how we could just tidy things up and just make it sound, you know, put a bit of polish on uh, a copy of their podcast one day and um, send it off to Tommy. And he's like, yep, let's, uh, let's do some work together. Oh, very good. Yeah, you know, one thing flows from the next and here we are. Fishing in a boat on the uh, Australia's first outdoor <laughs> recording. Australia's podcast. first outdoor recording. So, well, I got your details off um, a big fella at Moolamba. Yep. In the old swamp. Moolamba? Um, yeah, Moolamba uh, is yeah. up. Oh, Moolamba. I, I as the locals call it. I was thinking Mullumbimbi. Mullumbimbi, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> close together, those he'll, two. Uh, he'll love that one. Moolamba. Oh, I forgot he doesn't have. Um, Beaches there, but ain't got swamps. Um, I'll probably get a message off someone saying "fuck off" later. So yeah, sent that to Tommy, and he's like, "Yeah, let's get on it." And 
you know, working with them for quite a while. Uh, then they did the live show, went up there for that, and ended up in a cab with um, this bloke called Knuckles. And um, and then next thing you know, Knuckles wants to do a podcast. <laughs> and so we're, you know, working with Knuckles, editing his uh, proper true yarns. Um, oh, I bet you you'd, you'd make some money off him having to cut some stuff out. Mate, there is some shit that has to come out of that podcast. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, fuck me. Yeah, there's a, a new one that just started editing up for him, editing up for him uh, over the weekend. Straight out of the gates, I'm thinking, I've got to edit this out. Like, <laughs> within the first 30 seconds, <laughs> I'm thinking, shit, we're already on the clock here. <laughs> oh, he's a unit, I've been told. Just such a genuine bloke, like... I think that's what works well for him. He gives a shit. What I like about him is he doesn't advertise it. So you actually Correct. sit back and look at what he does. Correct. You, you see all these other, like, oh, I won't say any names, but YouTubers where they'll go give a bit of money or food to homeless, but they're jamming a the camera in their yeah. face yeah. where he just, yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's a he's a hundred grand, see you later. He just does it, mate. Yeah. Like I, I've said in our previous podcast, I hate Carl. <laughs> but... <laughs> he, he's very much the same. He'll just he because he doesn't. He likes that um, how he presents himself as a bit of a bad boy, but he like behind the scenes he does give a lot of money. But I just wished he you know stopped selling himself as that. Like, did I tell you um, in one of our chats that last weekend Sharon and I went up to a wedding in Sydney and it was oh, actually Kyle Sanderland's swingers old party penthouse. Yeah, that's where the wedding was held. Like, right. it, it's it's now a venue. Yeah. But it, they could take all the hooks they, they that could take out. all the hooks out of the ceiling. Like. But then you could hang decorations and that. But I think the best part was all the old stripper poles are still in the middle of there the table. There was. There was a round table in the middle of the room with this big chunk of a hole in it and we're looking at that going, oh, I wonder what that's for. And then we've looked up at the ceiling going, ah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it had Austin Powers vibes, that joint. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, have, you, have you seen anything lately? They're up for like a $200 million contract or something, for ten, a 10-year contract. What's that for? for? To lock them in for the next 10 years. So for Kyle and Jackie O, um, they're, I think they're out of contract at the end of next year, so they're in negotiations and talks now. Oh, yeah, because $200 million isn't enough. <laughs> $200 million for 10 years. So what that equates to is $100 million each yeah. for 10 years, so $10 million. Add Man, that's huge. Adds up, doesn't it? <sighs> Just for talking shit. Play a few songs. <laughs> well, look at the um, unemployed, like the, what they just scored. That's, um, yeah, incredible. Just for podcasts in Australia. And it's only just taken off here, really. Well, like, this is the thing, like, and, and this just blows my mind is, is what's, what's there. But it, it just proves that there's an audience for everything. Right, mm. and you know some of these podcasts that you hear, and they've cracked a deal, and they've been signed by your Spotify's, you know, to be exclusively on that platform. Here's a chunk of money, yada da, and you listen to it, and uh, what's in this? Like, I've everyone has something that they'll enjoy, and you're not necessarily going to enjoy the stuff that's had money thrown behind it. So you do question it, but man, there's an audience there for it. And if there's an audience, there's you know, that's it. There's, there's money potential. In it. Potential, absolutely. Yeah, and that's like us, you know, like Nugget just rang me one day and said, this is my idea. Yep. You know, you want to get involved and, you know, here we are a couple of months down the track and 
slowly starting to get it all coming together, but... But again, it takes commitment it, and energy. You, you've got to, um, yeah, you can't just expect everything's going to be... I tell you what, though, I think... Straight gotta, off the bat, honky-dory, like, yeah, we're going to be... Yeah. No. I know. No. You can't be, be in it for the money. money and no. stuff like that. You it's, cannot come into this we're space. We're just having a bit of a catch-up, having a bit of a fish and catching some dinner, you know? You cannot that, come into this space thinking you're going to... Having a good time while we do it. Get money. It's, it's something that, if it works, it will come. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. You do it. You know. You, you do it for yourself. It. And what we found too is, um, like with us especially, you know, we get, you know, we get viewers from overseas. So you know, it's people yep. listening to Australian fishing, and that's what you know we love about it. It's <laughs> yeah, you know, being I'm, out in this bit of nature talk with about all the birds and. What was that, BT? I, I, sorry, um, Colonel. I've just um, piffed the lure on the absolute opposite side of the boat <laughs> <laughs> from where it's meant to be going. Mate, you, you talk, you know, you say about that, you don't know where your listeners are going to come from. Um, early 2000s, beginning of YouTube, I started filming myself doing what I do with audio editing and I put myself up there. <laughs> I didn't really think about the name. I called myself the prod guy yeah. on, on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube, right? So if you go, if you put in the prod guy on YouTube, you find these um, videos of, of me talking through the process of editing and creating sounds, right? I was getting contact from people from Mexico, um, you know, America, bloody Russia, Germany, just people crazy. asking questions. It was insane. Yeah, it's and crazy. One of the guys that hit me on the shoulder, he, uh, he was from Germany, and, he, and he's got, oh, yeah, I've got this idea. I love radio imaging. I want to start a company that, um, you know, does it. And now he's got one of the leading companies in the world that produces stuff for radio networks worldwide. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I've got a real kick out of communicating with people. Like, I love sharing information. Never be afraid to give someone a leg up and a bit of, you know, chop out with you know, something that you know. Yeah. And just sharing that information, then people go away and and then they start commenting on your page for others to see, to know that, hey, you're actually a, a genuine person, you want to help and and it's nice. It's like a little pat on the back. But you're not, you know, doing it for that. Yeah. Mate, there's no there's no fish in the boat. What's going on? Mate, I said you lead a horse to water. Like there's that many snags around here, you should be doing something. Lots to go, mate. <laughs> no you know, pressure. Well, <laughs> mum and dad's, you know, new neighbour down the road there. They, uh, He's from Victoria as well and uh, we call him Donuts. Yeah. He's bad luck. He's just... I was a little bit worried. I said to the missus last night, I was a bit worried having a Victorian on the pl- boat. <laughs> well, it's like having a banana on the boat or something, is it? Yeah, uh, basically. Having some citrus. That's a, that's a good name for you is Bananas. Bananas, but what you don't realise, I'm actually sabotaging these cars so I get paid double at the end of this, month. <laughs> I don't know. So BT could be donuts this week because me and Dan's like, oh, we won't fish, we'll just let BT go. And... Oh, no. I want to see a fish. Uh, like we've said, fishing is a patience game. Yeah. Just nice to be out in it. It was funny there. What actually went through your head when you uh, found out about this podcast and heard about it? Because like, you rang me, but I didn't answer. 
Um, I was actually up at the prison. I couldn't answer. Phone was locked away. And I remember when you, I rang you back, I said, oh, yeah, i just leave at the prison. You're like, you're what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> what am I getting myself in for here? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm just picking stuff up. There's a great quote that I read one day. There's a Richard Branson one. It's more fun to say yes. I think he might have even written a book called It's More Fun to Say Yes. And when someone comes to you and goes, oh, I'm thinking of doing a podcast that's going to be out on the water, it's going to be in the elements, blah, blah, blah. Normally you go, oh, shit, don't know about that. But no, bugger it. That sounds great. Let's try it. See what happens. Because a lot of people were like, no, nah, you've got to do them in the studio. I was like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. Oh, look, the equipment is so good these days that, yeah. And like the tools that we've got back in the studio that can help clean up audio these days too, stuff that's coming through from AI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good cast, mate. Uh, but the lure's wrapped up and she's... Coming back like a tornado. Um, yeah, we've got the studio set up at home. We're on a farm just outside of Melbourne, and um, to be able to sit on the farm there and edit up a podcast about fishing, I can actually feel myself, you know, as I'm doing it, I'm picturing myself in the boat. I feel like I'm right there with you. Like these sounds that get picked up around here with the birds, the lures hitting the water. The it's real. actually quite calming. Like I was listening to an episode as we were on our way up here come out of Coffs Harbour, chucked an episode on just to have a listen, and it put me in a really chilled space. Um, an hour and a half later. Yep, an hour and a half later, and the missus goes, you still listen to that? It's like, yeah, but you realise it's an hour and a half? And I said, no. Nah. <laughs> Thought I'd been listening for 25 minutes. Uh, Finally got a hit. Yeah. Well, they didn't hook it, did they? <laughs> oh, come on. Throw it back in that same sort in of spot In that same there. spot. As you go past. And bring it back through nice again. Just hold slow. that rod a bit better. Yeah. Oh, they hit pretty hard, do they? Yeah. So and just if bring it, if that it does hit, finger. just keep your rod up. Yeah, a bit more, yeah. That's just snug I, it in. I used to drop my rod, and if you drop the rod, they can spit it. Yeah, right. Because you give them slack. And they, but if you just keep the tension on the line, just hold it up, they should be... Um, let the drag they should do the be work. Right. Did you see that video that was doing the rounds on the socials this week? It was, um, it was out fishing in the ocean and um, something's hit the rod and it's ripped the side of the boat off. I did see that on no, Instagram. Yeah. So, no, what happened was, um, Dan, they, they were bottom bouncing and then he just had in the rod holder and the, I would say it was a big snapper, grabbed it and, you know, they take off. And, uh, yeah, the old glue let go of the side of the boat yeah. with the rod holder and just... Took the whole side over, and I was like, "Oh, there goes a nice pen slammer." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Look at that!" I was like, "There goes a thousand dollar combo." Yeah. I was like, oh, "No," but um, yes, fishing is not cheap. But, it's um, not, is it? I no. learned that the other week myself. Yeah, Dan's got a little tackle box. Started, the started my own little tackle. Started collecting all my stuff and had a look there in a couple of shops and. You know, some lures are 35, 40 bucks Jeez. for one for one lure. Well, that lure that you've gotten on now is thirty-eight dollars. Oh, don't tell me that. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to be real conscious and just, you know, piffing it a few feet off the boat here, nowhere near the trees. I'm glad you're out here because at least now when you listen, you can sort of see what we're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of blokes are like it. We get messages that they use their imagination, sort of thing. Yeah. And distracted them, what they're doing, like they're not thinking about work sort of thing. Yeah. Well, they are, but they're not, you know, 
worried about. Just taken away to another place for, you know, to, like, as we know, a lot of guys who listen to this are drivers, they're on the highway, and just to, you know, erase yeah. an hour, hour and a half of, um, of a trip, it, it helps. But uh, talking about, because you don't do a lot of fishing, do you? What, what does a podcast radio editor do in his spare time? For me, I love flying. Yeah, that was a good cast. That was a good cast. It deserves a fish. Yeah, you got to tell us what it's called exactly. <laughs> because... Because I explained it to Dan and I said... Nugget tried to explain it to me last week. And so yeah. What I said to Dan was he straps a pedestal fan to his back and jumps off a cliff. Pedestal fan. And I fan. said, so like a jetpack? And he goes, no. Nah. Like a natural and fan. And I said, what? So like a hovercraft? Nah. And he said, no. And I said, nah. right. So we've got to ask him what and exactly And then I showed, him, I showed him the video this morning. I said, see, a pedestal and then he showed fan. And he showed me a video this morning. I said, well, that looks like a gyrocopter. But I said, it's nah. not a gyrocopter. Nah. Not so a gyrocopter. I said, it's something completely different. What we call these machines are powered paragliders. Which this is, is nice. the cheapest and I reckon the safest form of aviation. I don't know, I don't. Yeah. I've skydived and I've jumped out of planes before and... So you're a dickhead. Like, yeah. I'm not... I'll look at that sitting there going, oh, I don't really want to fall out of it, that's for do sure. That, do you go up with a parachute? Yeah, yeah, well, the parachute's already flying. Yeah, I realise that, ground. but I'm just saying if that oh, motor it's cut, a spare. Yeah, no, like if that, no. if that, um, no, like you wearing one because if that motor cuts out, you're fucked. Yeah, correct. So power paragliding, you do have a parachute. You've got a motor strapped to your back. It's like uh, about a 185 cc uh, motor with a propeller tube. So like, basically, my whippersnipper. Yeah, you whip. <laughs> actually, the, the, the next door calls me the mosquito when I fly over. I sound like a little mosquito through the air. Um, oh. It is like starting the whippersnipper actually. Every time I start the whipper snipper, I think, oh, it's, you know, I can smell the two-stroke and Ugh. it sounds like I'm firing up the motor. Um, wing is attached to you and you basically sort of pull... The, the wing's laid out behind you. You're um, holding onto all the lines and then you, you walk yourself forward and into the wind. The wing will come up and sort of sit up above you and when it's nice and steady, you, you hit the throttle and off you go. So you're running, but then all of a sudden, the minute you hit the throttle, kind of the weight of everything, the 30-odd kilos on your back is just kind of lifted, the wing's taking the weight and your feet are just kind of keeping you guided and then you're up in the air once you get... So you take speed. off from flat ground or you... With the motors, you, you can. It's yep. not like them um, ones where they run and jump off the side of the cliff, are they? Correct. So that's free flying without the motor and you need a cliff to jump off and then you've got to go catch thermals. So you need to fly in the middle of the daytime when it's hot and you've got hot columns of air shooting up from the ground because you, th those it's... things are constantly gliding down and then you hit a thermal, it's like being on an elevator. Yeah, and then up you go and then you fly along and you're coming down until you find the next thermal with us. We don't fly in the thermals It's because it's they're really hard. Like when you hit some of those the edges of those thermals, you imagine a column of air shooting up and you hit that and then bang and you're getting thrown around and your wing can collapse and stuff. So we fly first couple of hours of the day, last couple of hours of the day when everything's settled down. Whereas they're more middle of the day. They have to be middle of the day, otherwise they won't draft. stay in the air. They yep. won't stay in the air. But so for I'm, us, we just squeeze the throttle yep. and we stay in the air. I'm getting a little bit worried here. I might have to take the rod off you. I, I think you might, mate. Yeah. Like, I might have to swap. Dan might have to steer the boat, just keep yeah. in the gear it's in. and. Ooh, uh. show, me, show me how it's done. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about this. <laughs> you can this. go back to my seat. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to grab my coffee. I'll tell you about this flying. Sounds um, good. So, yeah, powered paragliding, it's called. And the beauty of it is 
your wing is already flying before you even leave the ground. Yeah. And so if your motor does cut out or you run out of petrol, you um, you just glide to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I've seen um, you don't see it too much around here, obviously, because you you know you want them cliffs sort of like near the ocean yep. kind of thing. But um, yeah, a few years ago I did a job in um, Ballina. Just had to go back there down on underwater log there. Did a job in um, Ballina yeah. a couple of years ago there and after we'd knock off work of an afternoon, you know, we quite often would go around checking out the area, yep. all that sort of stuff. And we went up there between Ballina and Byron up yep. near Lennox Head there. Yep. 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 Perfect spot, eh? They were all, um, everyone was just, oh, it would have been half a dozen people. So there's a school there. It's a, a mate of mine, a bloke called Polly, who would um, who ran a school out of there, um, teaching people how to fly these things out of Ballina. It was just amazing to watch them, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing to be in them. No, it's not. <laughs> the beauty with them, you can, you know, pack these things up into the car. Yeah. It's right in the back of the ute. Take it wherever you want. We did a trip around Australia with the kids a couple of years ago. Between a couple of COVID lockdowns, we were lucky enough to get out and um, had it in the back of the ute with us. So wherever we pull up, I could get this thing out of the back of the ute and just go flying in some amazing locations. Like and places where people would not have set foot before. And especially like when all that lockdown stuff was on, like people needed that. Like especially, like we were pretty lucky in New South Wales, but like you guys in Victoria had a lot more yeah, um, was, restrictions than yeah. what we had up here and like, People need that for their mental health. Well, yeah, but thing with it, like, we were so lucky where we lived on the farm. Even though we were considered metropolitan Melbourne, we're on a property, but we were still in all the lockdown restrictions. Yep. However, had lots of friends, work colleagues that were living in the middle of town in single-bedroom apartments, weren't even allowed to leave those apartments. Yep. So, what? Well, yeah, myself and my family in lockdowns, but... We were so lucky that we had the farm to be able to get out, walk around and and do that stuff. And I could even, you know, launch off the property and just go for a little bit of a fly. So absolutely yeah. blessed. So um, what, do you, what do you guys size do you call farm down there in Melbourne? Oh, we're on 20 acres. So, you know, it's a hobby farm thing. We've got 20 sheep to keep the grass down. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, these poor buggers that couldn't get out, you just cannot imagine what it's done for them and, you know and did to them during it. Yeah, well, that was it. Like, you know, I think we had a couple of pretty hectic sort of restrictions, but, you know, like going shopping and stuff, only one person in the house can go shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's now what we're, what, 2023? Was that three, the rules? Yeah, there was yeah, a rule yeah. where only one person in the house could go shopping. At any one time. Um, so, like, you couldn't go shopping with the family, only yeah. one person could, and just, just you know. Just bring us out and of it's it, like man. everything, you know, the great... Everyone was buying toilet paper for That's some reason, stupid. and now here we are four years later, and it's almost forgotten Surplus about. Surplus of toilet paper. Yeah, we, you know, we've got short memories. Um, I haven't fucking forgotten because it was the best times to be driving on the road because no one was on the road. I was going to say, oh, the, road, the highways incredible. were pretty quiet, eh? What I did love about it was the kids were home from school for, like, my um, eldest missed out on her final year of primary school and her first year of high school because it was all done at home. Yeah, um, I was, I was ha- gonna, my, my stepdaughter, same thing. She started kindergarten and she, went, she was in school for a month and then the schools all closed down. And she had six months off. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then that's bringing on a whole set of other problems with kids who have Here you go, yes. BT. Yeah, you take this, BT, mate. See, quick. Grab it. Come on. Take this, mate. So hold it. See how I'm holding it? Mate. There you go, brothers. Keep the rod up. I'll get the scoop for you. <laughs> this is I good. told Just you, keep it up. It, it, you keep can it up. lead a horse. Bring it around here. You can lead a horse to water. It's a good size one, too, mate. Goodie. Very nice. Oh, yeah. yeah, good work, man. Free podcast this <laughs> week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very good, Great mate. Job. That's good. a good fish. Yeah, do you want to just release that bale yeah, arm, Yeah, so mate? what am I doing? Just, just Click release that, that bale arm on that. Yep, yep. Righto. Very nice, BT. So that's an Australian bass. Get a tiger. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got no TC, just straight in and... Yeah, but you still oh. got to wash those hooks from that. Lure. Yeah, yep. That's a, uh, that's a nice fat one, Nugget. I'll show you how easy they rip out. So, because they, um, when you drop your rod, it loosens up and then they can just go. Ah, oh wow, yeah, right. So, so that's a sort of keeper size, yeah? We'll get the scales, we'll get the beetle out. So, are they territorial where that'll be the only one in that sort of. No, I can't, I've pulled four out from Is the that right? One. Okay. Yeah, they're, they can be, but they're not too bad. Trying to get the measure out, mate. There you go. Uh, 810 grams. Shit, that's a good bass. That's yeah. a nice one. We'll, we'll cook that. About 36 to the fork. Yeah, nice. that's nice. Nice little fat one. Very good. There you go, free... Free uh, podcast edit for the week. <laughs> yeah. So just step forward. <laughs> like back well, yeah, where's this bait, live bait tank you got? That's in there. Uh, that's where we keep the keepers. Yep. Uh, back here where I am at the back of the boat, your bait tank. Right, okay. Yeah, he's, not oh, very, he's not very happy, but... Yeah. I wouldn't be either knowing where I'm headed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it's done. Yeah. Oh, keep motoring. Mate, congratulations. Very that was nice. It. Another week of... Uh, catching a fish. Catching a fish. And I can go back to steering the boat and with sort of how it's done, people. Yeah, just going back to that flying stuff, like... We've done some expeditions with a group of guys where we've um, followed the Burke and Wills track and literally flown from Bendigo in Victoria up to Corumba at the top of Queensland over a three-week period, yeah, yep. right. covering the you know, three and a half thousand k's, travelling anywhere between 10 kilometres an hour and we clocked up to about 122 k's an hour. So the difference is you get a tailwind pushing you. We can be doing you know well over 100 k's an hour. On, on those things. How what, how what average speed do they actually go at? Like, without what they call trim speed, and that yep. means without any wind input, either forward or behind. Um, the wings that we're on are sort of 35 to 40 odd k's an hour. So I'd beat you in this boat? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bet. How is your nipples this morning? Depending a bit though. <laughs> As I say, it depends though. If we had to go to, you know, we could only use the river. Yeah, but what, I, what I'm saying is if he was, we were racing on the river. Oh, yeah. We'd never hope in hell. But, you know, because we can get up there and fly in a dead straight line, like, the you know, family will jump in the car and drive somewhere. It takes them an hour and 15 minutes. I can be in the air for an hour and beat them sort yeah. of thing. So tell me something. Like, my whippersnapper, I usually get a tank for a roll of cord. Yep. Um, what's the fuel economy on those things? Like, how long can you stay yeah. up in the air for? Yeah, it's... Um, we get about six litres per hour, 
and the tanks are around, oh, actually four to six litres per hour, depends on how hard you're flying them. And by that, I mean, if you're throwing it around and you know, you're you know, diving down and then going back up again and your you fuel economy shot, if you're just cruising, um, yeah, you can get around four, four and a half litres per hour. And um, the tanks are about 12 litre tanks. Mm. But oh, then so people, a couple of hours of flying. A couple of hours, yeah. I, I've done up to three hours of flying, but at the end of that, like I've landed once. You're pretty stuffed by the Absolutely end, like. stuffed. So I tried to fly from my place just north of Melbourne up to Shepparton, where my folks are. And um, the first time I tried it, I'd been in the air for three hours and I ran out of petrol about five kilometres short of where I was meant to land. So, so you had to fucking So guide I just it. came down and landed in a... Paddock. So as yeah. you're flying along, you're always looking for a clear space so that if things turn to shit, you know where you're going to land. So that's one decision taken out of your mind. And then you've got to confirm which direction the wind is in. So you're looking down to see if trees moving or water ripples on a dam to pick your wind direction because you need to land into the as wind. I say, you need to land into the into wind. The wind yeah. To help yeah. slow it up because if you land with the wind behind you, 35 k's an hour plus whatever that wind is doing behind you, you you're doing 45, 50 k's an hour when you hit the ground, you're yeah. you're going in. Can you, yeah. like, go with the wind to the paddock and then quickly turn around and land? You need a bit of height. If you try and turn too low to the ground, then you just drill yourself into the ground. Yeah. So you, you've really got to pick that. And sometimes that can take, if the winds are, yeah, that can take a little bit of time to work out. So that's why as you're flying along, you're constantly looking for an open, safe paddock. Yeah. If there's a single cow in that paddock, you don't go anywhere near it because chances are it hasn't got teats. It's uh, got a fair set of testes on it and that bastard will come for you, right? So you don't land in a paddock with one bloody bull in it. Horses we stick away from. But yeah, you just... That takes that decision out and you just come down your land. You put it in, yeah. you know, and, and it's fine. Um, I've run out of petrol. I've had it break down on me in the sky. Um, various things. So I'd been in the air on this trip for three hours and probably about an hour and a half into the trip, I was busting for a piss. Can't do anything about it. It's going to go straight through the fan behind you and spray you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you don't do it in the air, do you? Have you, like, rigged up, like, a shiwi sort of uh, thing? No, I've not rigged up a shiwi. Um... What, you need to start carrying a nice coffee or a Gatorade bottle with you. Well, yeah, that's what we do need to do. But everything has to be tied down because if you accidentally let go, she's banged through the prop, it'll blow up your prop, and then you're on the ground. So, in other words, you've got to slip it on before you start a bit of duct tape. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got to run with that thing. Pre-prepared. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you fill her up there, wouldn't you just, like, pull the tape off and just bombs away? Just sorry for the poor bugger below you. Correct. You're flying over the Hume Freeway and all of a sudden nuggets rolling down there. With the, with the bang straight through the windscreen. Um, but because I was, yeah, so three hours in, absolutely busting for a piss, and there was a farmer in the paddock who was running some hay out to the cows, this paddock that I've landed in, and... He's, he's come up to he's, you. He's, what he's are come you doing? straight over. Like, you know, because the first thing is concern. This has happened a couple of times, and people are straight, you okay, you okay? Yeah, we're fine. Was it? But, yeah, um, yeah he's come over, and I said, mate... I'll talk to you in a minute. Can I just piss in your paddock? I <laughs> and the cows are all coming up, and then they start, you know, starting to chew your wing because they're such inquisitive creatures. Yeah, yeah. So it was, do I go and take a piss or wrap my wing up quickly before the cows start chewing on it? Yeah, just um, try to put one around that snag there, mate. Yeah, just in good. there. Yep. Yeah, don't be scared. We can always go and retrieve it. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we've had some incredible expeditions where we'll just be flying along because we're going for distance. Like normally you take off, fly around for an hour, hour and a half, and then come back and land at the same place. But when we go on expeditions, you'll take off in the morning 
and you'd be flying along. So we're flying on these roads out the back of Queensland and stuff. We've got a support crew following us on the ground. But then when it's time to land at the end of the day, we just look for a vacant spot on the side of the road. We roll out the swags there, sleep, get up the next morning, launch, and away we go again. Yeah, and you're nice. saying before, Colonel, I mean, you've done skydiving. I would never in my never do that stuff. You probably say that, but that. then I've seen the, some of the planes that these guys go up in and I think, you know, it's probably safer to jump out of the bloody thing. Yeah, exactly, to get out. Well, that's the thing. You don't, you don't jump out. It's yeah, more of just, a roll. You roll out. But yeah, that, it's more of a roll, but I yeah. did mine, I think, oh. That's a good throw. It was either my 16th birthday or my 18th birthday. I can't remember, but I did it in Coffs Harbour. And did uh, 10,000 feet. Yeah. And it was, yeah, you know, you, you don't let things cross your mind. I, I actually know someone who went skydiving and the parachute failed. Oh, that but they survived fun. it. They were in hospital for a very, very yeah. long time. But, yeah, when I did it, I was obviously 10. I don't do solo. I can't do solo yep. unless you're qualified. That's a fucking good throw. And um, you're doing over 200k an hour yeah. when you come out. When, you're free, when you're doing your free fall, it's, you're going at about 220k an hour. And then they do that for about 30, 40 seconds. And then they sort of taps you, taps you on the shoulder, sort of let you know I'm about to pull the cord. Yep. And then he'll pull the cord and you just, you don't even get a jolt. It sort of just slows you up. Yeah. The parachute just slows you up. And then, yeah, it's just, you know, even when you free fall and the views are hectic, it feels, it feels. Just slow the winding up. It feels like nothing's um, moving. That's the weirdest part. Like you're doing over. In the free fall or in the. Yeah, in the free fall. Like you're doing, you know, maximum velocity of humanly possible of falling yeah. with the gravity, um, but it feels like you're just floating in the air. And yeah. it's it's real hard to explain it. Like those guys that do it, you know, daily, that's such an adrenaline rush, eh? Oh, like totally. They, I could imagine they that. They live for it and they say, look, once you've done it, you know, they said, yeah, things do happen, but, you know, they've got backup shoots and they've got all these backup things that they do before it actually goes really, really bad. Otherwise, you know, the insurance just wouldn't allow it. I'd, I'd never do skydiving or bungee jumping or just, I don't know, I just probably appreciate that in moments in life enjoy being fat so I don't get, <laughs> don't, don't, uh, get talked into those expeditions. So, you know, because I've always gone off theory, you know, body mass index, I'm going to hit the ground harder and quicker and I'm just sort of like, yeah, I don't put myself in those situations but pump, I've got mates that do gotta, it. Got to pump up those rookie numbers there, Nugget, you mm-hmm. don't want to do it. So, oh, my BMI, BMI's higher than what it is. But for me, the... Um yeah, my wing is already loaded, I think I said before, and before you even leave the ground. So when you're jumping out of a plane, you haven't got a wing above you and you're relying on that wing to come out of that bag properly. Yeah. And, you know, any skydivers listening to this will go, oh, yeah, mate, but it's fine because of blah, blah. That That's cool. I respect that. But I It's all in it. the fold, isn't it? Like, you've got to I'd fold them. So. I'd You'd have to so. fold it a certain way. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it just wouldn't. You know, otherwise you don't well, you don't want it to snag up. That's what you want. Yeah, correct. You want it to come out properly. But yeah, you know, so when we launch, it's unfolding itself properly. Yeah. Yep. And you're not going to get in the air if it hasn't unfolded properly. Yeah. 
you know, so the, the thrill for me comes out of, I lo the takeoff is amazing, just, you know, running and then next thing your feet are in the air and you're free and off you go. Because you've got one that, um, I think you have a couple, you've got one yeah. that you take off with a buggy. Yep, correct. And then you've uh, got one that um, you've got to run like a duck. Correct, so that the fan on the back is the one where you've got to run and then I've got a two-seater buggy type of thing, so... Um, carved out a runway because we're on a hill at home. I've carved out a runway into the side of the hill, <laughs> and um, you know, talk about excavators and stuff. My Fucking Mexicans, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I'm, I'm just picturing BT now with this giant runway. D three dozer just cutting in the side of his hill. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking he should have went straight down the hill. There's his, there's his speed fuel economy. Nah, but you know, go you, down, you've got to downhill be able to, to downhill to take off and uphill to yeah, uh, have land. A, have, have a bit of a ramp as a bit of a launch. You know, jump it up. You've got to be able to control these things as you're taking off, so you need the flat runway. So, yeah, built this runway. Cousin, lucky, my cousins are in the business of, um, you know, they've got excavators and bobcats and stuff, so I was able to... Makes life a lot easier, Makes life it? a lot easier, man. So sitting those for hours on end and, um, yeah, so I can take our passengers. My youngest daughter loves to come up. Um, taking uh, Sharon up a couple of times. My oldest daughter, we had a little incident with her where her foot got caught underneath the machine as we were taking off one day, and so she's never gotten back in it. Yeah. Um, she was freaking out thinking we were going to go over the edge of the runway. We weren't, but she's freaked out and the first thing you do is you plant your feet. Now, so she's planted her feet while we're doing about 30 k's an hour down the runway. Her feet have folded up under the machine and got dragged for about 20 metres. Oh. And she's, you know, poor thing, so much pain and settled down. But then she was complaining about a sore foot a month later. And then two months later, and we finally took her to get something checked out. She actually had a, um, a fracture in her foot. Father of the Year. Father of the Year, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Because I, I can see one of your kids there yesterday at the car yeah, waving yeah. to me. That, like... that was Meggie. That was the eldest. Oh, and, right. Uh, yeah, so she's, um, yeah, she won't go in it, but Priya, the youngest, um, mate, she loves it. You know, we've gone up and she's had the experience where when you get the puffy clouds in there in low, because I've got a ceiling at home, I can't go over 2,500 feet because of all the air traffic coming into Melbourne. Okay. Yep. Right, so... But when the little puffies are in nice and low, you can actually get up and fly just above the puffy clouds and in between them and that sort of it stuff. It feels so like, yeah, 40,000 It does, it does, because <laughs> you've got the clouds below you. Yeah. Um, actually took, at Christmas time, my uncle, who's in his 80s, and he loves flying, I took him up with me, and we had one of those puffy days. So I got to take my uncle through the clouds, and, you know, your wingtips are in the edge of the clouds. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So you say you got a two-seater. What's the weight limit on it? Oh, you want to come up? No, no, no I'm, I'm just thinking about nominating someone. I got about 450 kilos, so oh, fuck, I, I'm, I'm about. I got a bit of eating to do. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in the 90s. The machine's about 110, and the wing can take 450. So oh, do the maths fuck. on that. Yeah, I'm and, But it also the size of the motor. Look, I'm comfortable with the passenger up around to about 80 kilos, and then that's it. I won't get off the ground at home. Yeah, um, right. On. Sweet, I'm set. I'm safe. Yes, you're all good. But, um, just, just over the eighty. Yeah, just over. <laughs> you know, give or take. Um, In that bag there behind you, Colonel, the green bag with the jumper up. Do you guys like your wine at all? Not really. Oh, fuck you then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's brought he's, he's brought got, wine, he's wine and everything. Yeah, bread, salami. Wine. Yeah, a couple of bottles of homemade wine there for you. So what do we got here? You got us bread here. Yeah, yeah. So I picked up the bread from the bakery near where we're staying this morning, fresh off the press. So grab a bit of that bread. And you got grab, wine. Fuck. Grab some of the salami. Chuck it in there as a fold the bread over as a little sandwich, and away you go. 
What, 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 what wine home, did you bring us? Homemade wine. Yeah, so that's homemade wine. It's called a Mataro, which is a nice kind of light wine. Goes is this well. for us to keep? Yeah, yeah it's for you guys oh, is to it? take home oh, and drink. I'll and... crack that. I don't mind a bit of wine. Yeah. So we, we did hear before that Colonel doesn't drink it, so I get both. You can, you, <laughs> I'll let you guys work that out between yourselves. Yeah, so grab some of that bread, Colonel. Chuck the salami in it and just have it as a sandwich. It was funny. Like, so my wife's Italian, right? Yeah. And this is where making wine and salami comes from, is just being involved with that. My neighbour's Italian. I, I love it. So That salami's all homemade, isn't all it? All homemade, that mate. There's, there's yeah. bugger all ingredients in it. There's I, I tried a bit this morning when you first jumped on the boat and... It tastes good. So, yeah, with that, like, we, it's just pork, a little bit of pepper paste, um, some fennel, some chilli flakes, and the salt as well. You've got to, you know, stick a bunch of salt in it for curing. See, but, I hate salt. I just, yeah, but you don't taste it. Like, yeah, you, it's I, there that, for a purpose. I like it like that when you can't taste it. But, yep. yeah, you know, people just go overboard. Like, you know, my nan was bad for it. It looked like a snowfield on a plate. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just... Salt's never really, even chicken salt. Like I love KFC chips, so I'm not one that orders extra salt that yeah. people get. And it's just we're extra salters. Oh, is yeah. See, yeah, I the just... girls love it. Oops, it's alright. That log in that wall. But I tell you what, mate, you're uh, you're a lot better with your throwing. Your casting. It's coming along. Yeah, I had a bit worried when I seen your first one off the bat. <laughs> I was like, right. holy fuck. Day. Yeah, so Sharon being Italian, right? We, you know, we've we've got Shazza. great markets around home. Yeah, so she's, <laughs> it's it's a her dad's full blown Italian, mum's Australian, and all the cousins are you know Maria and Francesca and <laughs> all the names, and so I think they wanted to Aussieify. Does she have the, like the Sharon like the um, haircut with the old bowl, oh, bowl cut? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shut up, Sharon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you ever say that? Yeah, buddy. Do I you? Do. The kids walk around the house going, "Oh, shut up, Sharon." <laughs> <laughs> so with the bread, I wanted to buy what we call pane de casa, which yep. is like bread of the house sort of thing. And the market where we buy it from at home in Reservoir, um, uh, Preston. Sorry, Preston Market. Stunning bread. So I've gone to the bakery here up at the Tweed and I've walked in this morning and I've gone, oh, yeah, yeah, roll a punter to casa. You want what? <laughs> she had no idea what I was talking about. Is that like a cob loaf? Yeah, and that's what it was. I've got these cob loaves and I've got sourdough. <laughs> yeah, they're not very educated up there. I'll go the cob loaf. <laughs> well, guys, we might have to wrap it up here. Oh, well, thanks for coming, BT. Mate, and... this has been awesome. Thanks for having me on the boat. Thanks for everything you do for us and... No, just oh, keep we wouldn't up. be doing what we do if it wasn't for you. So no, keep it up, guys. You're um, you know, you're having a crack, and that's what it's about. So that's know, all you can you, do. Credit isn't it? to the team, the um, the teams behind the scenes. That's it. That's it. Oh, nugget out, Colonel out. Thank you, BT. Thanks, guys. See you next week. See you guys. <laughs>